All right, good morning. We're in Galatians chapter 2. And there's also communion today, so we want to... Hopefully I kept this one short. <laughs> Let's open in prayer as we get ready to look at God's word. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We ask you to, to just bless and anoint this time as we worship you in the word and that we bring your word. We ask that your spirit flows through us and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians 2, verse 4. And that because a false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might con continue with you. That's as much as we're going to read today. The idea of this, you know, we've talked about it. Paul always had to deal with Judaizers. <coughs> Judaizers would come in and they would go, you know, Paul had a great message, it's all good, you'll go to heaven by Jesus, but, and when you, don't, you, you let that word but, anytime you see it in the Bible, you want to really pay attention to what is it making a contrast to. In this case, the Judaizers would come in and say, the message of the gospel you got was great, but you've got to keep all these rules. You've got to keep rules. And it says here that they came in to spy on them. Privily, they snuck in, basically. Almost every church has people that come into the church and try to tell people they're not doing enough. It's more than Jesus. They need to do different things to, to please God. And it sounds good when you first hear it. It's like, well, if you really want to serve God, you've got to do this, this, and this. And, you know, it sounds good to us. Our flesh likes it. Okay, give me some rules on how I can please God. But that's not what it is. And, and Paul is saying, we gave you the gospel. We gave you the gospel. They want to bring you into bondage. We can't keep the laws. Most of us can't even keep the Ten Commandments for longer than a day or two, if not an hour or two. And that's not even counting the other 603 laws that are in the Bible. We can't even keep the Ten Commandments, whichever, you know, and, and it puts us into bondage. Because all of a sudden it's like, well, I just can't live this life. I have seen people who have left Christianity because they go, because people are telling them they have to follow all these rules, and they come back and say, well, I can't follow these rules, so this is not for me. And this is, Paul's message was, you're under grace. Does that mean that we're going to go out and sin? No. Because we're bringing God into us, and the more of God we bring into us, the more of him will flow out of us. And because he is the law, all the laws are based in his character, the more of him we bring in so that he flows out, the more we're going to walk according to the law. Not because I'm striving and I'm working to get into this, you know, follow these rules, but because he changes me. We become what we worship. All through Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they, they all have the same statement. You become what you worship. And they would talk about that, how they would worship idols, and they would become like that idol. And we look at this, and we all see this. We've seen it at, at times when somebody really becomes a fanatic about something. You know, whatever it is, it might be Christianity, but it could be anything. It could be a new sport. Uh, NASCAR fanatics, which are fairly new, new out there, I mean, they, they get really excited about it. I don't understand it at all, but that's okay. They don't understand, a lot of people don't understand football and all these other games, so. Uh, we become what we worship. And we, we want to be keep, 
key on this. The people would come in and they're going, we're going to look at what you're doing wrong and we're going to tell you all the things you're doing wrong. Have you ever had people trying to tell you all the things you're doing wrong? Aren't they fun to be around? <laughs> you know, you're just not doing this the right way. You're not doing this right. Sometimes you get this in the business world where somebody thinks, you know, they're the, they're the one that's got to go around and correct everything everybody's doing wrong in their, eye, in their mind. And sometimes it's not even wrong. It's just they think it's wrong. But these Judaizers would come in and say, oh, Paul gave you a great message, but here's the rest of the rules. You've got to become circumcised. You've got to, you've got to worship on the Sabbath. You've got, to, you've got to do all these different rules and regulations that they had. And Paul says... They were spying out liberty, your liberty. I don't know if you've thought about this, but have you ever thought about the word liberty? We, we talk about liberty in America, but we don't really define it. Uh, my dad was in the Navy. They talked about liberty all the time. <laughs> you know, that meant that you were able to leave the ship <laughs> for, for a couple hours or days or week or whatever your liberty was for, and you were free of the service for that period of time. I don't know if the other branches used the word liberty or not. I just know the Navy did. Uh, you know, they talked about liberty, the idea of leaving the ship and being free for a period of time. Paul's talking about liberty. We have the, the freedom to serve God without all the rules and everything that the Jews were trying to put upon them. This is important for us because the law kills the law puts us under bondage. And it's not that the law is bad. Don't get us wrong. Don't get me wrong. The law is not bad. It is good that we don't lie to one another. It is good that we don't steal. It is good that we don't kill. It is good that we don't, don't commit sexual sins. It is good to follow the law. The only problem is we can't do it all the, all the time. Especially when you go to where Jesus raised it. He said, if you even think the thoughts, you're guilty of the sin. Now, the consequence isn't as bad as actually doing it as thinking it. But as far as God is concerned, you think the thought. You think you want to kill somebody. You think you want to have adultery. You think that you want to lie to the person. As far as God is concerned, you've already committed the sin. And Paul is saying we have liberty. And the definition of liberty, I wanted to read this because I, I like this. Liberty is to do or omit things having no relationship to salvation. Okay, I either do or don't do things, but it has no relation to salvation. That's pretty good. It's freedom. It is freedom. And in, in the Greek, it literally is the freedom of the restraints unless physical force operates to restrain. Okay, so liberty, the, being released from restraint. Now, we talk about the, the laws aren't, aren't going to, but there will be consequences for breaking the laws. If you go up to the top of a building and you step off the top of the building, you do not have the liberty to float in the middle, mid, middle of the air. You're going to fall. <laughs> and you will fall faster and faster as gravity gets hold of you and pulls you down. This is important. We have the right to do what we want to to worship God. Now, God will tell us, and I, and I understand this very well. Over the years that I've been walking with God, there's things that I cannot do today that I used to do with no conviction 40 years ago. But today, there's many things that I look at and I, and I do, and God says, no, you can no longer do these things. 
And there will be things that he reveals over the next weeks, days, months, that he'll say, no, you can no longer do these things anymore. And you know what? Sometimes they're not even sin things that he takes out of their life. They're just things that take us away from him. You know, I've shared with people, God took away my, my great passion for NFL football. I used to have be, you know, very much into the game. I watched it all day Sunday, well, other than when I was in church. I'd get home from Sunday church, I'd watch them all. I'll watch all three games, and it was all they broadcast back then. And, I would, and during the middle of it, I would be bouncing back and forth between the two channels because they had that one game that overlapped. Now they have four games, and you have to bounce back all day long if you want to see all the games. Uh, and I'd watch Monday night. And God just said, over time, do you want to spend more time with me? You know, do you want to spend more time with me? Do you want to continue spending nine hours doing this or nine hours with me? Was there anything wrong with football? No. It's not a sin, but God changed my thoughts. How many times has he changed the way you think about any topic? Over the years, I've grown to, and I've said this in the last couple of weeks, I do not find jokes about marriage funny. I never really have, but God has really emphasized that, that this is a very holy institution for him. I don't find them funny. I don't find the destruction of the family funny. You know, and, you know, so we look at these things and we say, the more God becomes in us, how do we get him in us? We read the scriptures. We study the scriptures. We, we attend services. We attend Bible studies. We listen to others speak. We fill our mind with who he is. And the more that he fills our heart and our, our mind and our body and changes the way we think, the more we'll be like him. And I ho I'm hoping you've experienced this, where, where maybe there's something you want to get rid of your life, and you say, well, this is just difficult. I cannot do this. And then there's other things where God just says, I'm taking it away. I'm taking it away, and it's gone. That is important for us to be able to understand. It is God that gives us the victory. We're coming up on one of my favorite scriptures. For we are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but the life that I now live, I live by the faith of Christ who lives within me. How do I get victory? I let him crucify my flesh. And I let him come out. The more we let him come out, the more victorious we will be. And we won't be striving at it. I don't like to strive. I don't like to have to fight real hard to follow these rules. And I don't. I just let God do the work. And because I spend time, I spend time reading the scriptures. I spend time listening to other, other speakers. I'm always listening to the other speakers on my, in my car. There's channels on one of two channels, depending on where I'm at. The one, I'm in, the one I listen to in the valley and the one I listen to in Kingman. And both of them have preaching. Both of them, uh, one of them starting to go to a little more music than I like. I'm going to have to write them a letter and tell them to go back to the other style. Uh, because they're starting to do too much music, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, there's all kinds of music stations out there with Christian music. I'm not a big fan of the Christian music. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just want the Word of God. I want the Word of God. And it's important. I want to encourage people to get into God's Word. It's what will change your life. It's what will give you victory. He will change your way of thinking about things. And you know what? In many cases, it happens so slow, you don't even realize that it's happened until you look back and say, wow, this really offended me, but it didn't... It wouldn't have last year. It wouldn't have two years ago. wouldn't have three years ago. We want to be able to let him fill us. Let him go with us because it is so important. You know, we are going to have false teachers, false 
Christians in churches. Jesus said that, you know, gave the parable of the tares being planted with the wheat. And he says, the enemy has done that. And he says, let them grow together so you don't destroy the wheat. But there are always people in churches that are going to try to make life difficult for the Christian. You know, there'll be the bad testimony within the church. There'll be the bad testimony in the town about the church. There'll be the one that tries to influence the Christians in the church to follow wrong things. We need to be in God's word so we can recognize them. We discern who they are. We discern what's going on. Discernment is the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit that we have. And I, I use it a lot. When I've listened to things on the radio or TV, and all of a sudden a speaker will say something, and I'm going, what? That's not even close to correct. When I was a teenager, I would listen to a message, and I'm going, that doesn't sound right. And I, go, and I have to go back and look it up and start studying. The Spirit will tell you when the message isn't right. And it's important for us to be able to understand that. The discernment comes when somebody's trying to get over something on you and they start trying to lay a trap for you. This has happened to me recently. Somebody said they wanted to speak to the church about a topic. And I'm, and I'm listening to the person and I'm going, no, this is not right. And the more he talked, the more I realized why it wasn't right. And so... God's discernment, he will help us. He helps lead us. He helps guide us. When we need to figure out what to do, you know, some of the hardest decisions are what to do. For young people, it starts out with, you know, who to get married to, who to, who to, what job to do, where to move, where to live. As we get older, they become more, more time, you know, when do I retire? When do I switch jobs? When do I, when do I switch churches? <laughs> do I switch churches? One of the problems in America is how many people jump around churches. There's a lot of churches that are growing, but what they're growing in is they left church A to go to church B, and they left church C to go to church B, and then when they get tired of hearing churches B, they'll go back to some other church. None of that is growth. We need to see Christians, people becoming Christians and actually growing. Because just church hopping, usually what ends up happening is they start hearing something they don't like. You know, I was, uh, that, that message bothered me. I, I got convicted. If they do it again, I'm leaving. And before long, they leave and go somewhere else until they get convicted. And then they leave, go somewhere else. There are messages in this word that are going to convict you. When you're reading the Bible through in a year, there's going to be parts of the Bible that are going to convict you and say, you're, you're not living correctly. I'm going to step on toes every once in a while, not on purpose, because I'm preaching God's word and saying, this is a sin. And you have to be, deal with it between you and the Holy Spirit. It's important that we look at his word and we say, I'm going to accept God's word. You get to a point and you don't understand what the Bible says or you, or you are totally in contradiction to it. Join, join the, the, the now dead uh, Pastor McGee who says, where, where you and the Bible disagree, the Bible is correct. Okay, I heard that many years ago, and I adopted that as my stand. If I disagree with something in the Bible that I read, I'm wrong. I don't understand it well enough, or, or I don't, you know, or if I have a problem with what it says, I am the one who has the problem, not the Bible. The Bible is true, word for word, line for line, every page, everything in it is correct. If it's not, we're foolish to believe in it. Because if any part of it is not correct, it's like, okay, what part's not? If I can't trust the Bible wholly, I can't trust any of it. 
And I've been studying it for a long time, and I know that I can trust it wholly. There's no part in it that is, is wrong, no part of it. And there may be parts in there I don't like talking to me in my life, but it is not wrong. So we want to look at this because that is important because there are going to be people who are trying to ch challenge us. The Bible talks about the, the doctrine of Balaam. Now, Balaam occurs in Numbers 22 through 26 and has another mention in, in Numbers 31. If you don't know the story of Balaam, we'll give it real quick. Balaam was a prophet of God. He was called by Balak of, of Moab to come curse the Israelites as they marched through his area. So he, Balaam, God, Balaam went to God and said, God, should I go? And God told him no. And, he, and Balak asked him again. He said no. And he came again. And he goes, well, okay, go. And if you remember the story, the, Lord, the angel of the Lord met, went out to meet Balaam, was going to kill him. The donkey ran off into the field, ran him against it. A wall, you know, wall, and he started to beat the donkey, and the donkey talked to him, and you know, it never, never amazes me that Balaam didn't even stop to think, this is really crazy, the donkey's talking to me, but he t has a conversation with the donkey. And God says, okay, you can only say what I tell you to say. He goes up, he blesses Israel three times in front of Balak. Then he tells Balak how to defeat the Israelites. Not as, a, not as a curse. He goes, if you want to defeat Israel, send your daughters into their men and, your, and take their daughters to marry you. Why? So they could introduce idolatry into the camp of Israel. And that's what they did. They introduced it and the people were judged. They had plagues for a period of time because they did not obey God and had taken and married outside of their, their faith. How does Satan attack today, even in churches? He puts somebody in there and says, have a little bit of fellowship with this person who is, who is evil, who wants to drag you down. Does that mean that we don't deal with the world at all? No, we have to deal with the world, and we're not going to lead anybody to Christ. But should a, should a non-Christian be your, your best friend? No. They should not be your best friend because you will be drugged down. You will be drugged down. I have met so many people over the years who go, you know, usually girls, I don't know why it's been usually girls, but God has told me I'm to marry this guy and he's not saved. I think God's telling me to do that. And you can tell them very straightforward, no, God is not telling you to do that. You are not to have your best friend be somebody who isn't a Christian. And they go, well, I might get them saved. I really could do it. And I go, no, they will probably drag you down because 99% of the time, when people are unequally yoked, the Christian is drugged down into their level and not going to church, not reading their Bible, not fellowshipping with God. Why? Because our flesh really likes to be, likes to do sin. And when we have our best friend trying to test us, bring us into sin, they will usually win in the long run because that is what we want to do. You know, we have to remember, even as Christians, we are sinners. And sin is easy to attract us. We never want to get to the place where I think I'm strong enough that I can go in the middle of sin and, and, and spend lots of time in sin and not commit sin because I'm evangelizing the people. Well, eventually you're going to partake in their sin. You may go in there with good reasons and good intents. And you may do good for the first couple of times you do it. You might even do good for, for a year's worth of time in doing it. Then you're going to get that moment of weakness and you'll commit the sin that you're, that you're spending so much time with. It's, it's a guarantee. It's going to happen. Well, actually, it's a guarantee, but it is most likely going to happen because that is the way our bodies are. We are sinners, and we want to sin. 
I, and then I say that a lot of people, well, I don't want to sin. I go, you want to sin, otherwise you wouldn't sin. You know, because nobody is sitting there with a gun in your head, with your arm twisted behind your back saying, you know, you are going to sin today. <coughs> we have a natural propensity to sin, and we will sin without God's help. Because our flesh wants it. I may have enough spirit to try to beat it into subjection once in a while, but the Bible does not tell us to beat our sinful sin nature into submission. It says to have it crucified, kill it. So we want to keep this in mind. You know, Paul said we didn't even give them a hour's worth. I think he could have even said we didn't even give them minutes. As soon as we found out what they were doing, we got rid of them. We did, we did not let them keep us from our liberty. So that, and he says, so that the truth of the gospel would continue. The truth of the gospel. The gospel is such a simple message. We know we've gone over it. We're sinners. We deserve punishment. Jesus died for us so that we could be saved. And when people come in and tell you you've got to do a lot of stuff to, to, to keep your salvation, they're lying. They're lying. And I've seen it happen in churches. I don't, not ones that I stayed at very long, but they would try to tell you all the rules you had to follow to be a good Christian. Yeah. This is sad because they're adding to the gospel message. Should we do good things? I'm going to give one more time. Yes, we should do good things. Why? Because Christ lives in us and he is coming out. And because he is coming out of us, we will do good things. And this is just a short time. I wanted to keep it short because we have communion today. Uh, but we want to be able to understand God wants us to serve him. How does he want us to serve him? With him doing the work. When we go before the Bema Seat of Christ, and that's the judgment seat for Christians. He's going to put all of our works in the fire. And the works that aren't done by God are going to burn up. Wood, hay, and stubble are going to burn. Now, one of the things I've learned is stubble, we all know, that's, a, that's worthless stuff. You know, I mean, there's nothing you can do with, with, with stubble. Hay, you can do a lot of things with hay. Hay has some good things, but it's really not that valuable. Wood, you can make a lot of things out of wood. A lot of the work that is done by Christians that we do in our flesh that is good work is wood. It's going to burn up because I did it. My flesh cannot stand up before God. He wants us to let him work through us. And there's going to be a lot of people who do lots of good things for God, but God wasn't in it, and it's going to burn up. No reward for it because it is done in the flesh. And this is something we want to be able to pay attention to. God has a plan for every one of us and he wants to work through us. And I'll tell you, when you're letting God work through you, it is the greatest thing that can happen because you know it's God working with you. And we want to be able to look at that. We're going to close in prayer and just really want to challenge everybody and let God's grace work through you. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come before you. We ask that you bless the time and song that we have to follow here and the and the time that we have in communion. And we thank you for each person that's here and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.